Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Super Black. We are your hosts, Carl. And Daniel. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about something very near and dear to both our hearts. Dan's upcoming book, The Carnival Prince, in When the Robber Calls. Yes, buddy. So I wanted to take some time to give you a, a spotlight and figure out kind of you know, the ins and outs of your book and, you know, how you came up with the idea. So let's to just kick it off. When did you come up with the idea for this book? If you had to trace everything back, probably 10 years ago. Like it's, it's been concept. The concept has been floating around in my head for a very long time, just bits and pieces. And it didn't really come together until about four or five years ago. Um, I had hit a point where I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my artistic life anymore. So I had to take a step back. So literally one night I'm sitting in my office and I have this blackboard wall that I just write down goals and aspirations on just to kind of keep focused on where I want to be. So I just erased that wall and started writing things down. Like, okay, what have I been working on for the past few years? Like, how are these things interconnected? And I started realizing that I have been doing series of paintings based on Kitty's Carnival. That's like Trinidad tradition. There's regular carnival, big old carnival, and then a week beforehand, they do what they call Kitty's Carnival, where the kids get to dress up in costume. And at one point, I always thought that aspect was better than the actual people's carnival, like the grown-ups carnival, because it seemed like those the kids' costumes were a little more creative. So it gave people like gave me a, a better chance to expand on my ideas through Kitty's uh, carnival costumes, and so I started looking at this and trying uh, out folklore and how a lot of my work revolved around that as well. It's like how can I combine these two things, and from there was born the idea for the Carnival Prince. As you're formulating this idea, how did you know you were on the right track? Because you you've had these kind of long periods where you were doing these paintings and kind of not necessarily piecing things together, but, you know, all the ideas were kind of just kind of flowing out of you. When did you know you had the idea set for, quote unquote, the Carnival Prince? Like when when did that character take shape and become the focal point? I had to ask myself one question. Um, so there's what they call the Carnival King and Queen in Trinidad and Tobago, right? So the for me, a lot of my stories come from asking myself, uh, not so obvious questions, right? So I wanted to find out where Kitty's Carnival came from because Carnival has a specific past, like a specific history, why it came about, like why it is what it is. But Kitty's Carnival, like when I started asking that question to like my aunts and uncles and relatives who live in Trinidad, they couldn't tell me the specific story behind it. So that left an opening for a story to be told. Right. So when I asked myself that question, I started asking other people that question. That's when the idea became cemented. And I would say and here's like a little um, trivia that for anybody paying attention, like the Carnival Prince, that name, no joke, um, came about because I was creating costumes through paintings and drawings based on old Prince, the performer titles for his songs. Right, so that was the name of the series. Originally, it was called the Carnival Prince, and I completely just forgot about it. Right, until one day I was going through some old files on my computer, like, oh shoot, like this, like this name for the series 
predates the actual Carnival Prince story by about three years. So apparently, like, you know, like the inception happened somewhere and it was just kind of knocking around in my brain up until this story came about. Did mm-hmm. I answer the question? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Yes. I would say you did. So knowing what it's like to have an idea, but not really know if it's viable, did you ever get to the point where you felt you needed validation for this idea? And if you did, did you get it? Or did you kind of push on and say, I know in my heart that this is, you know, viable? Or was it more like, it doesn't matter if it's viable, I need to get this out? It was more of the latter. There came a like there came a point. You know, keep in mind, like I've never written a story before. Like I, I'm an illustrator, yes. So you tell stories by pictures, but it's a whole different um, idea to sit down and actually write a story from beginning to end. And because I tend to be obsessive compulsive, and a lot of people like me will understand that. Like when I got the idea in my head, I wanted to see this to to uh, fruition. I made a goal for myself. And I wanted to see that through no matter how long it would have taken, right? Um, But of course, every once in a while I reached out to people. like, what do you think of this idea? You know, do you think this can fly? And thankfully, I got a lot of good feedback in the very beginning for the people I did speak to um, about the idea, right? So I just built on that. And only after my second draft, I really started going out to people and having them read the story just see if it made sense because like once again i've i never had written before you know i looked up as much as i could in terms of telling the perfect story you know i've been reading comic books my entire life you know i dissect movies and and things so i figured i i knew the basic beats and everybody knows the hero's tale and the steps that you should follow so i went on that bare knowledge and started and started building from there you've reached the crest now how did you know when you were done with this book with this first I, book i still don't know if i'm done or not hmm. and uh this comes from a lot of conversations i've had with other artists you know it there comes a point you just have to put it down let it breathe and let it be what it is right because there are always going to be ideas and how to make this story better and how to make it grow but if I keep doing that, it's never going to be released, right? And some may chalk it up to impatience, um, but once again, recognizing the obsessive-compulsive side that I tend to have, I realize, like, no, I need to put this down because I'm going to start nitpicking and start redoing illustrations and, and so on and so forth. Like, no, I need to let this be, you know, and let it be judged for what it is right now. Like, maybe a couple months ago, a couple months from now or a year from now, I can come up with like a redux version in terms of just editing content and not like your editing illustrations, but maybe like the formats, you know, so I can release it on, on a, on another, um, like a, like a, like a bigger book or, you know, something like that. But the story is what it is going to be right now. What kind of platforms and formats are you going to be putting it out for people to ingest? So it's there's going to be a few versions. There's going to be the uh, self-published Create Space version that will be released on December fifth. Um, then there will be the um, large hardcover format version, which will be released earlier next year around Carnival season. And then I'm shooting for the audiobook version to be released. And this audiobook version comes with 
complete with voice actors, you know, playing each character that is significant to the book around uh, April 12th, 14th for Bocas Lit Fest in Trinidad and Tobago. So I want to have that in hand with me when I go to that um, literary festival to, to present to the people down there for the kids. And there will be the, the Kindle version available as well. The, the one biggest thing for me, and I don't think taking pride is the actual um, saying, but I, this is meant to be read out loud. Yes, it's a chapter book. It's, a, it's, it's what uh, the, the industry calls a middle grade chapter book. Right, it's about sixty-six pages. Um, can be, you know, say, like, uh, um, but it's meant for eight to twelve-year-olds. Like I, I put it out there as if your kid wants to start reading chapter books, I, how I suggest them reading this. You know, it's a good jumping-on point. It's not too wordy, and the illustrations I feel will keep pulling the kids back into the book. You now, for it's like the, the entire book is wall-to-wall illustrations yeah they're all gorgeously illustrated very nice colors very engaging i've seen the book i've seen the pages uh they're all pretty gorgeous uh i guess my last question is what is one thing you would like to tell audiences of the book or people waiting for the book what, what do you want them to know about it before they go out and buy it Understand that um, this has very much been a labor of love for me. Uh, I created this character originally because I saw myself in it, and I think a lot of writers and artists tend to do the same thing, but it grew to something more than that. And this is telling a story about a child that on the inside is very nervous about the world around him. It's like, tends to be very anxious, like, tends to stick about, uh, tends to stick to what he knows. But when challenged, he's able to step up and actually um, take charge and not be violent, not be a bully, but be clever to solve his problems. Use his smarts, use his intelligence, and use his creativity. Like, I purposely wanted to create a book where um, parents wouldn't have to turn away because the violence, because of uh, uh, the way these characters choose to solve their problems. Like, yes, you have the antagonist that is a bully. But the main characters rise above that and solve the problem without having to hurt the other character. And given our, our conversation about The Punisher, which you can hear in another episode, uh, it's very refreshing to know that there are still stories. Of course, there are still stories where, you know, you don't have to gun down people to solve a problem. We need more of that today. Exactly. So we need to reinforce that. You can be smart about a situation as opposed to being reactive to a problem. Yeah. Instead, of, instead of throwing a fist or throwing a tantrum, there's better ways to solve problems. And one thing that I would like to throw in is that the reason Super Black was created was, and I've said this before, it was because growing up, I didn't have characters that I could relate to. Uh, the, I, I would look out into the world and see, you know, the Wolverines and the Batman and the Superman, you know, those type of characters. And I would latch on to the ones that I thought were coolest, but none of them actually looked like me. So it's, it's nice to see that there is like a Trinidadian character being formed here by a person that I know and respect and putting it out there in the world for 
children to, you know, have that. You know, it, it, it's very important that we continually create characters that all different cultures can latch on to and identify with and grow up with, basically. So I applaud you for for moving in that direction. It's very... Thank you. I, I mean, I wish the, I, I wish there was this type of character was around when I was little because I know my mother would have bought that book and we would have read it every night. It would have been like, like a thing. I mean, I, I everything you just said is pretty much everything that I've been thinking as well. Um, this is very much for anybody that's familiar with the industry. Uh, this is a very much an own voices um, interpretation of a story. You know, I'm was born in Trinidad. Yes, I spent the majority of life the majority of my life in the United States, but the folklore culture and the carnival culture resonate so much with me. Like carnival runs in my family's blood. You know, my dad is down there every year. So is my mom. And they're taking part of that culture. And anytime that I can find anything worth, not worth it, but anything representing folklore in the islands, not even Trinidad, but just the islands in general, I ate that up. You know, it was always fun seeing these brown mixed characters come to life and i hope to do the same thing i I say i hope when somebody picks up this book you know they'll be seeing themselves in it as opposed to having a picture um i I, I can't hmm, sorry i just kind of got lost in that thought for a second but like i i want kids like me or kids like to see themselves Yep. And enjoy that a lot more, and not having to not having to remove themselves from that thought, or or remove themselves from that character, and be delegated to being the sidekick, right? Yeah. I want them to see themselves in the main character. Awesome. So Dan, tell everybody about the launch of this book on December fifth, twenty seventeen. Uh, from seven p.m. to nine p.m. I would love anybody listening to this to come support the launch of the book. It's going to be held in East Harlem at the CCCADI, CADI for short. That is the Caribbean Cultural Center, African Diaspora Institute. It is this beautiful, old, uh, refurbished firehouse from way back in the 1900s. And the space they have turned this into is absolutely beautiful. It just resonates Caribbean culture. Like you walk in there and it just smells of what you think the Caribbean smells like, you know, (laughs) like you just get this warm feeling walking in there, especially if you can can connect to that culture. Right. And even if you don't want to come support me, come support the institution, the Institute, because they do wonderful things. Uh, I just found out this past Friday that um, they support uh, uh, a couple of dance troops in the Bronx. Right. They have their hands in in just about everything um worth your while in terms of art so once again come join me you know there'll be a live reading there'll be a signing there'll be fun things for the kids you know you know come support if if you love work like this please come support get out there guys go visit get the launch get the book uh, enjoy some some caribbean culture bring it home and, and, and show your kids you can follow us all on instagram and uh Twitter, we're all there, but mostly come back to superblack.co for more superhero talk, cultural characters, and ridiculous nerd talk. 
with Dan and I. Thank you for listening. We're done here, people. Full stop. Sweet. Sweet.